This is Pablo Gonzalez. I am the co-founder of BeTheStage.Live and the host of the Chief Executive Connector podcast. And right now, I am happy to be here on the Relationships and Revenue podcast with my friend, John Hewlett. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your humble host, John Hewlin. So glad to be with you today. And it is my honor and my privilege to introduce my friend and someone who I believe is going to become your friend, Pablo Gonzalez. Pablo, how are you? I'm great. I really hope you're right. I really want to be the friend of the person who's hanging out with us right now. John is not kidding when he says that. Dude, I'm so happy to be here, John. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I... I have a ton of respect for you and to be graced with your stage is something I don't take lightly, man. So I hope, uh, I hope I give a lot of value to, to you and to our buddy that's hanging out right now. Absolutely. Well, I can tell the folks who are listening and watching that I get something from Pablo every time I see and hear him you every too, single time I get something. So I have the utmost confidence that you all are going to get way more than you're expecting from this. I really do. So let's just jump right into it. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Pablo. As he mentioned, he has his own podcast, which is called the Chief Executor, Chief Executive Connector. Make sure I say that right. right. Of which he is, for sure. He is the Chief Executive Connector. Uh, he'll be able to tell us more about that in a minute. You know, he's, I call him a human connector. That's really what he is. He's all about relationships slash connections, um, he, the name of his company is Connect with Pablo. And oh my gosh, I'm just thinking of all the things that you do. It's, um, a, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. You oh, know? Like it's, <laughs> it's just, oh my gosh, folks, I can't even begin to get into it, but you, you've got to check him out. And toward the end, we'll tell you where you can connect with Pablo. This will be really important to do that. And one of the great things about him is that I will tell you, when you reach out to him with a direct message, an email, whatever form you do it in, he gets back to you. Unlike a lot of other people out there who either have somebody else do it or they just act like, eh, that person's not important. I'm not going to mess with that. You know, if you don't have enough followers on your profile, you know, they won't pay attention to you. Pablo's not like that. Not at all, man. He's, he is there to help people. I know he is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just down to be your friend. Whoever, whoever yeah. whoever's listening to this right now, I want to be your friend. Like if you reach there out you to go. me, I want to be your friend. I'm in. For sure. For sure. Now I mentioned several titles that Pablo has, but I would venture to say the next one I'm going to mention is probably his number one. He is husband to Martha. Indeed, man. Indeed. My, uh, you know, my wife is, and I've, I've spoke to you about this before. My wife's my muse and I would not be, it is through her eyes that I really began to embrace struggle and growth as two things that go together. I had, okay. prior to that, I had lived a life of convenience, John, right? Like seeking mm -hmm. convenience and mm -hmm. seeking the, the easy way out, the shortcut, right? Like stuff, stuff always came easy to me and therefore I, I never really needed to strive to achieve great things and mm. you know, being married to Marta has and and living with her to number one be truly seen by somebody mm -hmm. when you live with somebody 24 7 uh mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to fake the funk right yeah it is <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I used to describe myself as like a 20 something year old Huck Finn, right? Like I, I've, I've always <laughs> been able to speak well, I know how to influence people, I know how to kind of get away with shenanigans. And and being married to somebody that you truly, truly respect that that goes away and and you gotta yeah. and you gotta really show up uh, consistently. Yeah, you do. And second, she's, you know, she's overcome a lot, man, my, my wife, my wife overcame. Um, this like sexual abuse that happened to her at a young age and a lot of family trauma that came out from it. And mm -hmm. 
seeing her seeing her fight that stuff head on when it when it came up in our relationship really just shattered any excuse that I could have had of I'm good enough and I'm and I'm I'm good where I'm at now. I don't really need to go any harder. And I remember having this like conversation with her at one point. I, I'm not kidding, man. Like I, I can't believe this happened, but there was a certain moment where she was this trauma had like resurfaced in her life and she was just nothing short of fighting for her life on mm. a daily basis about it. Yes. And at a certain point, she was asking things of me. And my response to her was, you know, just because you're trying to improve so much doesn't mean you have to hold me to that standard. I said that verbatim, right? Like I was like, wow. you don't have to hold me to that standard. I'm good where I'm at. And I think that the moment those words left my mouth was just a real reality check of who I am as a man and who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they rang so hollow in hearing them coming out of my mouth that I don't think I've been a, the same person since. Oh my gosh. I, I can so relate to what you're talking about there. I really can. Um, you know, I can remember saying things similar, not exactly the same, but similar when I was married, um, which has some to do with why I am no longer married. And there are lots more reasons. And folks, for those of you who have heard me talk about that in the past, I want to let you know, there is an episode coming out soon, a solo episode where I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about my story, talk about my pain and how I've been able to work through my pain to get to my purpose and ultimately my platform. But that's for another time. But uh, yeah, Pablo, that is... mm. Wow. Yeah, man. You know, like, like when that, when that came out of her mouth, I was, I was making a little bit over a hundred grand. I had this sweet job title of director of sustainability, working for a big hospital developer that quite frankly had acquired my company, brought me in house. And after, after about a year and a half, when I had figured out everything that they needed me to figure out, they just kind of stashed me away. And I was working like 15, 20 hours a week, making good money. And not really challenging myself in any way and knowing in the back of my mind that the moment that an analyst would look at what's going on here, mm-hmm. I would have an issue, but I, I really wasn't moving towards it. Mm. So I had gotten pretty complacent with my career and, you know, my, my, my outlet at that point had become my civic engagement, right? Like my involvement mm. with nonprofits and all these different things, but I, mm-hmm. I wasn't tying it all together, right? Like I really wasn't maximizing the gifts that I've been given. I wasn't maximizing the opportunities that I've been given. I wasn't, I wasn't growing. I was just in this comfort zone and I felt offended to be challenged. Mm -hmm. But when somebody you respect, right? Like it's when somebody you truly admire who sees you every day and knows exactly what you stand for and they challenge you, you got two options, right? You can, Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you can cower or you can, you can step up. Right. Yeah. And I feel, I feel lucky that I got that challenge and that I had the wherewithal within me to step up. Right. Like it's really changed, changed things for me. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about some of those changes because really what that's done is you've done a little bit for us and taken us back in time and told mm-hmm. us a little bit about it and kind of like that, that demarcation point. It's like, it was at this point that things really began to change. So how have they changed for you since then? And what impact has that had on where you are now and where you're headed? Yeah, John, first of all, it's been, it's been the commitment to work on it, man. That's, that's the profound change, right? That is the, the, the commitment to not, to not hide behind things and to not, take things for what they are as opposed to what they can be that I know they can be. And that I know that I can affect them. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of backstory about me. I I'm the most American person in my family, right? Like my, my first formative memory is walking into preschool, being the kid that didn't speak English and everybody, nobody, you know, nobody else, everybody else spoke English. There was one other kid that spoke Spanish. And that was like a really like a formative memory in my life. And it's always driven me to, to be this, person that seeks belonging and seeks to help people belong around me. Okay. And, and those skill sets serve me real well, right? (laughs) Those skill sets serve me real well as a kid. They served me great in high school and college as a young professional and graduate university. I got this like executive and training program for a fortune 500 construction company. 
spent about a year under this like program a year and a half later, I moved to Southern California. I take over this like $15 million division of a, of a fortune 500 company. And I got 120 people working for me as a 25 year old. And, and there I become a green building expert 2009. I moved back to Miami. I started a green building consulting company. And that's when I get involved with the community as well. Uh, just got an email from Habitat for Humanity saying they needed to start a young professionals group and looking for volunteers. I raised my hand and that set me on this like parallel track in my life. A couple of years in my green building company gets acquired by my biggest client. Mm. I go in house as director of sustainability for this uh, hospital developer, uh, university developer, big public project company. And that's, and that's when, right when I get acquired is when I met Marta. And, and that, you know, like I'm, I'm like living large for a while there feeling, feeling pretty good about myself. But like I said, right, like I was, I was at this like crossroads of my star in the community was rising, right? Like, I, like right around the time I was starting to win awards, right? Like I was on multiple charities. I had started multiple young professional groups, got named to a top 20 under 40 in a big magazine down there. And at the same time, my star inside my company was completely stagnant and, you know, maybe even trending down. Right. Mm, mm. I was just the guy that was, could handle this like green certification thing. I wasn't part of the strategy when there was a big presentation and they needed someone to come in and make people feel good or whatever they'd bring me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was just kind of like happy to make, make money and not work hard. Right. So <laughs> seeing seeing that seeing that happen and and i guess i've never really spoken about this because uh, i because I, I tie this to other things right like the the other the other big struggle that i had was my brother passing away right like oh, i cool. uh, my i have an older brother who's eight and a half years older than me he struggled with pancreatic cancer for a couple of years he passed away and and that was you know though that's the first time in my life i experienced struggle i i I come from a pretty well-to-do family. I was the youngest. So by the time that I was a kid, my dad was doing well and he could be my baseball coach and my soccer coach and stuff like that. And I just really never, I had always been comfortable, man. I'd always, I'd always tell people that I never had a problem that I didn't create for myself. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that's a real fortunate, it's a real fortunate place to be. But at the end of the day, I also, I struggled with this like self-worth of like, do I deserve all of this? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that was pretty apparent to Martha yet. I wasn't really acting on it, man. So yeah. when, when my brother passed a couple of interesting thing, things happened, he 1200 people showed up to his funeral. Wow. Which was really eye opening. And at that point I looked around and I'm like, you know, I can say what I want about the Catholic church and whatever, however I felt be growing up in the Catholic church, but this is my community. I can never leave this, right? Like this, all these people that just showed up have been showing up for the last two years, making my mom feel better, make, you know, like how, so that the kids could show up to school when there was a problem, you yeah. know, things of that sort. And at the moment I was like, there's nothing, there's nothing more valuable than community. If we can, if it can help us through this. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that happened and I instantly started seeing community as a business model, right? Like I'm like, oh, okay, this is how you solve customer churn because I was about to churn out here, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. and 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 now I'm not going anywhere. But the other thing that happened was everybody that reached out to me that day and for years afterwards about my brother would reach out to me, and he would they would tell me that they loved my brother because my brother was this guy that lit up a room, made sure everybody mm-hmm. felt good, like if they knew that he he was somewhere, everybody was going to be comfortable, and we'd all be having a good time. And that's this quality that I've always really admired in myself. Mm. And my brother being my best man, you know, my brother's eight and a half years older than me. It, it does funny things. It's somebody that is old, you know, far away enough from you to like judge it. Okay. <laughs> but close enough to you to like contextualize. And I would always kind of like compare myself to my brother and just be like, okay, well, Bert, graduated college. He didn't get a job at a career fair. So I'm going to get a job at a career fair. Cause that's a mistake. Like, right. Like I would always, I'd always call out the things that he did that I didn't want to do, but I never gave him credit for the stuff that I admired about him that I wanted to be like. Right. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden all these people are coming out of the woodwork telling me that what they see in him is this greatest quality that I admire the most. Yeah. And it hit me immediately that what else am I missing in people? <laughs> right? Like yeah. what, what, if I can, if I can not see this quality that I most admire, 
in the best man at my wedding, what am I, what am I missing in the, the guy that I consider to be my loser uncle? What am I missing in like that guy in our group of friends that I just don't think he's that great. And I don't want to hang out with him. What about, you know, like, what are we, what are we seeing in each other? Every, everybody has this like inherent value to other people and we can always look harder at it. Right. So, yeah. so, you know, and, and that was at the same time that my wife was going through all this stuff. So I just really, really leaned into that and decided to, to, to continue trying to not, you know, I didn't really want to fit into the contractor culture that I was in. Right. Like I, like my, my career wasn't going to be, okay, well then I just got to be a contractor, bro. It was, it was, I need to, I need to figure out how to make this stuff fit this like community engagement stuff that I'm doing that I know works. You know, one of the, one of the big things I figured out being a part of nonprofits is that the most influential people in your city are on the boards of nonprofits. And there was a very common trait in all of them and all of these incredibly successful people. And it's that they like to serve and they like to serve others. Yep. So immediately I started noticing that my Ace Ventura shtick that had gotten me this far <laughs> had a shelf life. And the way that I would really build influence is by serving others. Yes. So I just, I just continue to lean into that, continue to c- continue to seek the value in others. And instead of using my superpower, which is my ability to be liked and get people to feel good about themselves, mm-hmm. um, instead of using it for my own gain, I started using it to get people to connect to each other and to mm-hmm. see the value in themselves and articulate okay. that value. Um, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll stop there because then it's like the big demarcation point of like, what got me to where I'm at. But, you know, it took those it took that struggle. It's, it took seeing struggle up close for me in order to realize that everybody has to go through this thing, man. Like I had to embrace it and I had to, and there was no growth without it. Right. Like I was stagnated. Sure. Sure. Okay. So you came to this realization that the best of the best out there figure out it's not about them. Yeah. It's about serving other people. Now, were you observing this more in terms of them in their personal lives, in their day-to-day business lives, or was it a combination of both? It was a combination. It was, it was, it was very obvious to me that these folks that were high power executives and high powered on the board of these charities, there was no demarcation between who they were as a professional and who they were as a person. It, 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 it overflowed in all of this, right? And you can only be in so many rooms with folks like this that are giving you life advice, right? We had this formula for building these young professional groups that was, and we replicated this across four different charities really successfully, including the Economic Development Agency of Miami, where, you know, we would recruit young professionals and say, hey, man, if you want to get ahead in your career, like you can go volunteer wherever you want. But what we're doing is every month when we meet to plan our events, we're going to meet at the boardroom of one of the directors of the charity, they're going to show up and give us life advice, tell us their journey and, and what they've done to become who they are. We're going to have some Q and a with them. And then afterwards we're going to go plan our happy hour or our, our build or, or our gala or whatever we're doing. Right. So I was systematically exposed to these people given me they're showing up to be like, Hey, this is my life. Right. Like this was like pre podcasting. It was like a one-on-one podcast, man. Right. And, right. and um, and you can only hear so many people talk about this idea of, yeah, getting involved in the community, getting involved in committees, serving on things for others, doing things for other people is why I am who I am today, right? Like the, the pattern recognition was right there. And you could you could tell that it was just, you use that term, lifestyle networking, man. I love yeah. it, right? Like it's a networking lifestyle that, that I have absolutely, truly embraced. And it's this, this idea that community is really, really valuable. And most people are born into some form of community, whether it's your family or it's like your group of friends from school or whatever, but not most people decide, you know what, I'm going to curate my own one. And the only, the only way that you do that is by going out there and interacting with people and talking and, 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 and meeting a hundred people so that you understand who the 12 that you most want to be in your, in your crew are Mm -hmm. right. Like, and, and I just saw that pattern over and over. And then I started seeing that the young professionals that we started these groups with, 
you know, four, five, six years in, we're all becoming decision makers in our companies and we're all leveling up at the same time. So, you know, it was, it was just this like very obvious pattern recognition of service being the common delineator of people that are fulfilled and happy and live a life of integrity where they're, where they're matching what they say they want to do versus people that just show up to get a paycheck, people that, people that look at, look at, try to be transactionally driven instead of relationship driven. And, and, mm-hmm. and it was very clear who was winning, you know, no, at sure. least based on my scorecard. Right. Right. And it's, <clears throat> it, it kind of goes back to, and this is a question I occasionally ask people on the show, but I don't always ask. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you what your definition of success is. Oh man. So I've thought this through, right. <laughs> in, in early 2019, when I became with obsessed with Justin Chenk's podcast, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and his definition, he, he always asks that to people, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, true success, John comes in four stages. The, okay. the first stage is finding something that you love doing that you're really, really good at, right? Like, I think that's, that's the first part. You got to find out your superpower, right? The thing that you were put on earth to do that you actually love doing. Yeah. Then the next piece is figure out how to use that for service, right? So like you figure mm-hmm. out what feels good that you love doing that people give you acknowledgement, then you figure out how to help others with it, right? And then that allows you to do it more often. Once right. you figure out how to use that for service and you're able to do it more often because of that, figure out how to monetize that in a genuine way where it doesn't where it doesn't lose that joy, where it's still your superpower. You're still doing it out of joy. It's not transactional. It's, it's lifestyle driven, right? Like, right. and then once you figure out that, once you've monetized that one time, go build a business around the, a business being driven by that happening. And, and at that point, that's my true definition of success, right? Because I don't, a lot of people think that they're just like, I just want the ability to do whatever I want, but that's not freedom. The ability to do whatever you want isn't freedom. The doing what you want is freedom, right? So if you're building a business, doing anything other than the thing that you love doing, that you're awesome at, that you feel that you're in your zone doing, if that's not driving the business that you built, you should just go get a job, right? Um, so, so, so that's my definition of success. It, it's that it's finding that superpower, serving others with it, monetizing it in a genuine way and building a business around it. Therefore you are enabled to be using your superpower as a service as often as possible and as big as possible. Love that man. Love that definition folks, just so that, you know, we'll make sure that that definition is in the show notes. So, right. so you'll be able to check that out. Cause it's really good. And I think people are going to want that. Thanks, so, man. All right. You've come up with something that's kind of, in my mind, revolutionary. And I want to talk about it. Your relationship flywheel. Yeah. Dig in, man. Tell us about that. Perfect, perfect timing for that, man. So I described that little trick to get young professionals to volunteer for us, right? And I described it as this in-person podcast. I never actually described it like that before. But, you know, I, I realized that the most successful people are the ones that are meeting with people, And then they're like, who can I introduce you to? And then they're introducing them. And that's how relationships are formed, right? Adding value to people as much as possible. So I had this moment, I had this moment in that construction company where the CEO got invited to speak on a panel about smart cities in front of the Economic Development Agency of Miami. He decided at the last minute he didn't want to go. So they sent me instead. I show up to this thing and and I share a stage in front of about 80 people at the Economic Development Agency with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the, the Smart Cities Initiative for the World Bank and me who feels like he's at a dead end in his job. And, <laughs> yeah. but, but luckily, because of nonprofits, I had spent time on stage. I had spent time moderating things, public speaking, networking, right? Like all these right. soft skills came to me from that world. And so I do my thing. And when I come off that stage, there's a line six people that you want to talk to me. Nice. Three of them were contractors trying to sell me something that thought that I was a decision maker in my company. <laughs> Two of them were... Two of them were developers that were like, hey, man, what's it like to bring on a guy like you? You know, like, I want you to come work for me. And one funny is this guy, Will Beckham, who I actually just got off the phone with because I'm in Miami. I'm going to go grab coffee with him tomorrow. Um, but and he's like a young man. He was like, hey, man, I'm into this stuff. I just want some mentorship. Right. But but what hit me was everybody here thinks I'm more important than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized from studying influence my whole life that the brain justifies what it sees. And when you're on a stage and someone's in an audience, they're like, oh man, 
you know, they must be really valuable, right? That's why, that's why they tell you don't believe everything you see on TV or, you know, like things of the sort, right? Because the brain does that. And on top of that, if you're being guilty by association with other people, it, it exaggerates that, that validation that you get on the stage, right? So as soon as that happened to me, I thought, huh, this is an interesting trick. How can I leverage this to serve others? Mm-hmm. And immediately I reached out to this developer that in South Miami was building this high rise in a low density, high income area where nobody wants a high rise in their backyard, <laughs> but he, he was building it on top of the Metro rail station in front of the um, university of Miami. So mm-hmm. it was this like transit oriented development, right? There was like incentivizing public transportation in the city of Miami that's desperately needed. Okay. So I reached out to this, I reached out to this gentleman. I'm like, Hey man, I know you're having a hard time with the city. I want to put you on stage with a politician on the board of one of my charities that is passionate about transportation and a land use attorney that started one of these groups with, and we're going to talk about trans-oriented development. And I'm going to invite these like young professionals that I, that I'm like a steward for in Miami to find out about the future of development in Miami and how trans-oriented development fits in. This guy who probably got 20 calls from contractors a day and didn't really want to talk to him, took my call, was very happy to do this, put on this event a month later, Next, the next week he's in our office again, like, hey, man, you guys are going to bid on the $60 million project or what? Right. So we're like backdooring this huge deal that everybody wanted because wow. I led through this value driven, you know, put you on a stage as like a mass introduction and introduce you to people on the stage you want to be yeah. um, guilty by association with. And since then that, that turned me into a business developer. And all I've done is continue to reiterate that concept through where the world is headed and where the right. world is headed is this idea that there's stages everywhere, right? Your phone is the most, you know, scalable stage in the world, right? So <laughs> true. Yeah. So so what my relationship flywheel is, is the ability to, if you can figure out the people that you're trying to serve, like I wanted to serve this 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 contra- this uh, developer that was building this high rise. Mm-hmm. I knew what was I knew what was valuable to him, right? It was mm-hmm. speaking about the good things that his projects are doing to people that want to hear that, right? That those were the young professionals that were ready to support this thing, right? So if you can figure that out, it's there's three pillars to the flywheel. It's value, connections, and content, right? So if if you can figure out what's valuable to people that you want to serve and connect the dots between the people that you're trying to serve and the people that can get them that value, right? So what if it's your clientele, it's what apart from your own solution helps them along in their journey, right? And how can you get people in front of them that can help them reach that front of that journey? And the easiest way to do that and design a stage to do that on is a Zoom call, right? Like it's like a Zoom webinar or a, or a podcast or, 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 or however you want to do it. But I, I, the most powerful way to do it is to do a live Zoom webinar. And as you are interviewing this person that's bringing value to your audience, you invite your audience in. When they show up, whether it's six, 16, or 60 of them, they feel like they're getting an hour of your time, right? right. While you're only spending one hour building that relationship with them. Sure. The person that you are interviewing, you're building a deep relationship with, right? Like this is the connection piece of it. And those people are usually either your best client because you want to talk about how great they are and and like showcase them to your other clients so you can be guilty by association with them. Uh It's somebody that you want to be your client, right? Like trying to, hey man, what's your superpower? How can I help you this or that? Like make it in an interesting way or it's another industry expert that you want to, you know, showcase that that you're on a stage with them, right? So you're facilitating that connection and then you facilitate the connection between the audience and the guests themselves, right? So mm-hmm. when someone's, you're, you're driving them to ask questions, when they ask a question, you don't just say, hey, what are your top three tips to do this? You say, oh, hey, my buddy John, who is um, in Kansas City, he's a, he's a huge Chiefs fan and he's a great entrepreneur. He's got this question for you. What are your top three tips? To blah? And you, you phrase it as a, as a warm intro. So, yeah. so now you're doing that same dynamic that I was doing in that room um, in the young professional groups the stage that I did for the developer, but you're doing it on a recorded Zoom call. And now you move into the content phase of it, which Mm. is that you take that one hour call and you turn the one hour video into a branded YouTube show. You take the 10 best minutes into a YouTube, YouTube golden nugget. You turn the audio into a podcast. You turn the five best, you know, back and forth between you and the guest or the guest saying something great into social media optimized 
video segments uh, for LinkedIn and for, for Facebook and for Instagram. You okay. take the five best Q and A's of somebody asking a question. You turn that into Q and A material that actually calls out the person's name. So they feel like they got a piece of the stage. You mm -hmm. take the five best things said, you turn them into quote cards, you turn the lessons learned, you turn it into an email that you send to your list. You expand that email into an SEO optimized blog. So now you have taken this like one seed and you've planted it in 20 pots across six different ecosystems. And every time you're inviting somebody on your stage, you're not just inviting them to be like, hey, I don't want you to talk to my clients. You're saying, I'm going to invite you to my stage to talk to my clients, people that will see value in you that I can connect mm -hmm. you to. And I'm going to give you a ton of marketing materials for yourself. Right. right? So the more you do that, you know, the, the, the more marketing materials you're making for extraordinary people, the more other people see it that are going to be interested in it. The better people that you're getting on your stage, the more the audience grows that shows up and continues to connect. And you serve as the stage in the middle that's making these connections. And it turns into this flywheel of growth because now everybody that you're trying to serve sees you as guilty by association with the solutions of their problems and all these extraordinary people that you've had around you. For sure. For sure. Essentially, you become the connector that provides the solutions to their problems. Correct. And if you provide enough solutions, they will assume that your solution is part of their solution as well. That's right. <laughs> like, That's right. You know, like be guilty by association with solutions, period. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. I want to take kind of a slightly different direction now because this particular podcast isn't just called Revenue. It's called relationships and revenue. And we've been spending a lot of time talking about, you know, the business side of things, which is how you spend the vast majority of your time, which I know. But you also mentioned early on, you wouldn't be where you are today without Marta. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about that because it is my belief, and I have shared this many times on this podcast, that how things go at home directly impacts our businesses. Yeah, so what are you doing to work on and improve your home relationships so that you can be better in business? John, I told you a little bit before, before the show, like there is no, uh, there is no line item more, more devoted to in my, in my P and L that is relationship investment, right? Uh, everything from, therapists to investing in our diet and in our health and, and anything that we can do to, to, to perform at our best. It is all an investment in our, in our relationship. Mm. We, we do a couple of things, right? Like, so first of all, me and Marta have at different times had our own therapy in order mm. to, in order to get the tools that we need to communicate with ourselves to then communicate to others. Sure. We've had joint therapy, right? Like we've had marriage therapy, we've had sex therapy, we've had a couple of different joint therapies mm -hmm. um, in order to get the tools to then again, communicate and continue to grow that. For we sure. set aside, you know, we, we set aside a Wednesday night is our night together, right? Like we have, we, like hmm. we have a schedule of, hey, Tuesdays, I know that is my really, really busy day. I'm probably going to work late. I need you to carry dinner on Tuesday, Marta. Monday is the day that she wants to take her yoga class. I carry dinner on Monday, right? Wednesday is our date night. Friday, we generally do date night as well. And we, we plan our weeks with in, intentful moments that are for us. And that's it. Then on top of that, so each week we have one. Each month, we plan it so that we have a day that's for us. And each quarter, we plan it so that we have a weekend that's for us. And we, you know, we, 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 we stay real diligent about making time for each other, John, because it's not the same to being next to someone is not the same as being with someone. Oh, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And oh, I man. Think, I, I think guys get that twisted a lot, man. They're just like, man, sure. what do you want? Look, I'm here. And it's not, it's yeah. not about being there. It's about being present, right? Like it's, yeah, it it's about being there with a reason to intentfully interact with your significant other in a way that you are growing closer together. Cause you're either going to grow closer together or grow apart, right? Like if sure. it's just like, dude, I, I allow you to do whatever you want. What's the big deal. I do what I want. You do what you want. What's the big, no, man, you need to, you need to like, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship. Like those you, are roommates. 
Those are roommates. Yeah, those are roommates. I've been there. I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen it, man. I recently saw I recently saw one of my best friends go through a divorce where on the outside looking in, it looked like they were they had a great relationship because they're both freely doing the things that they wanted and you assume that they're fine at home or whatever and they grew apart, man. Like you need to you really need to choose to grow together. So, you know, one of the 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 big the anchor for us is food, man. Like Martha okay. is an unbelievable person in the kitchen. It's made me a really, really good chef and a beast of a sous chef. Like I'm, I'm like nice. a ninja with a kitchen knife. And um, <laughs> there's nothing I enjoy more than me and her preparing and eating a meal together, right? Like having our roles, creating mm. these meals. Like we cook really well. It's then very, very enjoyable. Like that, that to me has always been the foundation because it, it's this moments during the week where you're working on something together yes. and then you're enjoying it together. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, like, I just don't think that there's anything more powerful to it. Like it brings me back to my nonprofit days. I used to always tell people if what, what's a better referral, somebody that tells you, Oh, I've known this guy for 10 years or I went to college with him or, Hey, I worked on this like gala committee with this person and he helped fundraise these many things. And in the final hour, when we needed to put pamphlets together, he showed up to put the invitations and send them out in the mail, right? Like the idea of working on something with somebody is much more powerful than the idea. You know, it's a powerful bond creator. So I love cooking with my wife. That's, that's our number one thing. And we're lucky to live in Jacksonville and we get to go walk on the beach on weeknights as well. Mm. That's fantastic. You yeah. know, for those of you who are listening, both male and female listening, this is really, really important. Something that Pablo said that I really want you to hone in on. They are intentional and it is in their schedule is built into their calendars to have at least once a week, a date night where they focus on each other. Then they have special things they do once a month and special weekends once a quarter. That is huge. That is so important to keep those flames alive. And I don't want to overlook what you said about the whole thing about therapy. Um, men, for those of you who are listening, going to therapy doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do something right. Sometimes what it means is you just need to tweak some things. Let me give you an example. How many of you, if you don't already work on your own cars, just let your car go. You don't change the oil. You don't do anything with it. You just keep driving, keep driving, keep driving, and just expect everything's going to work out great. Well, guess what? It's not going to. Eventually, it's going to break down. And the longer you wait, the more expensive the repair. The longer you wait in your relationships, when you start to figure out that something's wrong, okay, first of all, your significant other's already known for a long time something's wrong. I can just tell you that now. But once you do figure it out, do something about it. Jump right into it. And it's scary. I'll tell you that. It is scary the first time you go into therapy because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going on. There will be times where you feel like you're being ganged up on. You're not. But do it. It's for the health of your relationship. Not just in that moment, but going forward. We can talk more about this in another time. I just wanted to be sure to include that for all of you listeners and viewers out there who may be thinking, well, maybe that's what Pablo needed in his relationship, but my relationship's fine. I can tell you right now, it's not. Every single one of you that says your relationship is fine is full of crap. It's not. There's something that needs to be worked on and you need to be man enough to admit that you need help. Admitting you need help and asking for it that's called wisdom. It took me 40 years to figure that out. Don't let it take you that long. I get very, very passionate about that. So cool. if you feel like I'm coming down on you all, I'm really not. It's because I care. If I didn't care, I'd never mention it. I just wouldn't. That's true, man. And listen, I think, I think a lot of people, guys, right? I'll speak for guys because I know the male brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, well, what's, what's talking about my feelings going to help? It's not, it's not about talking about your feelings. Therapy is a way to get tools to name things, 
once you can name something, then you are aware of it. Once you're aware of something, then you can manage it, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. relationships and revenue, right? What doesn't get managed, what doesn't get measured, doesn't get managed. If yeah. you haven't, if, if you haven't measured it, then you're not going to manage it. And if you haven't even identified it, how are you going to measure it, right? So <laughs> exactly. what, what, what therapy does is it gives you those tools, whether, whether it is identifying something so that now you can pattern recognize and then name it and be able to like see it happen again and be able to get the reticular activator working or again this is their job right like that is the therapist's job they once they know that you have a leaky carburetor they have repaired so many carburetors before that they know what the patchwork looks like. It's like, Hey, now when you feel it leaking, you gotta do this. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then the rest is reps, man. So it's really not, it's really not about like talking and, and making somebody and, you know, like complaining or whatever it is. It's really just the, the idea of identifying the issues and then receiving tools to be able to address the issues. For sure. For sure. And what, what I tell guys all the time is like, look, at your job, whether it's your business or you're working for somebody else, if somebody comes to you and say, look, if you want to continue to work here, or if you want to continue to have this client, you have to get a new skill set. Guess what? You're going to learn that new skill set. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. So being able to talk about feelings and emotions, it's just another skill set you have to learn how to do. Correct. That's it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. It takes practice. And you won't be great at it at first, but guess what? If you never do it, you'll always be horrible at it. Food for thought. Food for totally thought. Agree. Totally agree. And if, if, if we want to keep ranting about this, I'm in, right? <laughs> not, not ranting, not ranting, but giving more advice on, on things that, that one sees. I, the other thing that I often hear, it's like, well, I'm doing this for her, man. Like I'm like working super hard and I'm doing this for her. That's not true. You're doing it for you. Like you, you really want to have a high power job. You want to make a bunch of money and you're doing it for you. Oh yeah. Yes. Is she on board with it? Yes. But don't, don't confuse the idea that you're working hard with the idea that you're working hard on your marriage. Cause that's just not, <laughs> not the same. That is mutually exclusive brother. Right. <laughs> sure. So, so, so that's one thing. And then and I, and I'll say this, right. Because I think that there is a, a lot of unspoken the sexual trauma that has happened to so many women, right? Like the, the statistics are daunting. Oh my God. And what happens is that the guy that then has a healthy relationship with her later on becomes this like third party victim that never got to see the abuser, never got to whatever, yeah. but, but they have to suffer through the trauma that was induced in their loved one later on in their relationships. Right. And that can be a very helpless feeling. And I got stuck in this like whirlwind of, well, all I can do is just stay out of the way. Like I didn't do this. All I can do, all, all I can do is stay out of the way and let her heal, right? And not make things worse. That's bullshit too. Mm -hmm. There is always something you can do. No matter what the situation is in life, in marriage, in business, no matter how how difficult things are, there is always something that you can do that can help make things better. And it's not, and it's not always fixing something. It's right. just all, there's always a move, man. There is always a move that adds value in any conversation that you're in, in any situation that you're in, in any room that you're in, there's always a way to add value. And I think that's really easy to internalize in like a business dealing or in a networking setting. But when you're, when your wife is, you know, suffering from something that you had nothing to do with, there is always something you can do to add value to the scenario. And the more that you get yourself to own it, the better that stuff's going to happen, right? Like while my wife was going through this stuff, it was, it was during the Me Too movement when the Me Too thing went viral, right? Mm -hmm. I actively started talking to my guy friends who are just like, oh, a woman are going to pay for this because now they're not going to get meetings with guys so who's going to be scared to get ratted out. I'm like, no, 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 bro, you guys got to stop that. You know, like stop thinking like a troglodyte, you right. know, like, and, and this had nothing to do with her being around. This wasn't me like showcasing in front of her. This was in private, in groups of dudes, in locker room right. talk, being like, guys, the world has changed. Like you need it. You didn't need to just buck up with this. Like, you know, there's, there's always something. And, and you, that might not sound like I'm doing anything to help my marriage, but I was right. Like yeah. showing up in that room without her there to be like, no, 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 no. This stuff does cause trauma that affects other people and getting people to understand it helped my marriage. Right. Like sure. some, in some way it did. 
Oh, and, I can promise you it got back to her in some form or fashion. She did find out some way or whatever. Well, they, they know. Trust me. Yeah, they, they find know. out. They, they know <laughs> they when do. you're fully engaged. They just, they just know when you're fully engaged in the problem, yes. right? Like yes, if you are on board, you can feel it. If you're just like, yeah, yeah, all right, cool. And then you turn around and you're like, yeah, look at bitch. Like, no, man. Like, that's not how it goes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. I know folks have heard you talking today and have seen what you've said and they'd be like, oh man, I got to find out more about Pablo. Where are you, Pablo? Where, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Chief Executive Connector Podcast. That is, that is, that is where I would love to be connected with. If you go to the, if you, if you look up the Chief Executive Connector Podcast, listen to my podcast, that's my baby. Those are my conversations with people of how you learn from others, right? How you see the value in others and how you learn from it and how you apply it in your life. That's really, really what I'm about. Okay. And um, episode seven and episode 69 are my two favorite ones where it's, I did like a summary of my previous year in like a rapping, storytelling, ranting fashion over like a beat. <laughs> um, so it's the 2019 last call and 2020 last call, but go to, okay. the, go to the Chief Executive Connector podcast. And, I, and I'll say something else about, about podcasts. Um, you know, audio is the new frontier of, of content, right? Like as, as, as a guy called Pablo Gonzalez, I might as well be called John Gonzalez, John, John Smith of <laughs> Latin America, where people have way more kids and call them after themselves all the time. I've, I've never, I've never ranked in anything, right? Like I've never, it's hard to, you go on LinkedIn and you put in Pablo Gonzalez. Good luck, bro. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, if you search iTunes or Spotify and you put in Pablo Gonzalez with a Z at the end, which is my name, my, my two podcasts come out one and two, right? Like the, the idea that Spotify is the new Google of audio is real. And mm. I would encourage anybody that's trying to build a name for themselves and you want to rank on something, start podcasting, start working with John, get your podcast going, man. Cause mm. audio is this, is this new frontier and there is all this valuable beachfront real estate that nobody is, that nobody's buying right now and you can own it. For sure. For sure. Okay. So now we come to our time of our final four. It's just going to be the four quick questions. I'm going to ask you, just tell me the first thing that pops your mind, just gives folks a little different flavor about you. Let's go. I love, I love a lightning round. All right, here we go. Question number one, why did God create Pablo? To be a hype man. My, my, my gift is that I fall in love with everybody that I meet. I see something special in them. And I'm a really good communicator. That's not shy about communicating. So mm. I'm, I, I, I am here to, to speak on why you're awesome. Even if you don't believe it. Love that. I love that you have it inside of you. You've been given the gift of believing in people before they believe in themselves. Cause that is a rare gift. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, like I that. love that. I love hey, that. I'm a, I'm a cheerleader, man. I really am. All right. Second question. What are you doing reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow oof i just on my drive to miami i started uh behind the cloud it is uh mark benioff's story of of salesforce how he grew salesforce okay. and it's brilliant <laughs> like it is the, the book is is broken out into plays it's like 126 plays he calls them which is like 126 different moves of how he turned Salesforce into the company that it is. Okay. And it's categorized in different subjects. So it's like the playbook on startups, the playbook on sales, the playbook on marketing, the playbook on events, the playbook on company culture, the playbook, whatever. And each playbook has all these different like little plays. It's okay. amazing. <laughs> I'm in love with it. Yeah. Okay. Behind the Cloud by, my, my, by Mark Benioff, the founder of Salesforce. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes, folks. All right. Question number three is it's a two-part question, but you'll understand why. What do you do for fun? And what do you do with Marta for fun? Yeah, man. Uh, with Marta for fun, it's it's cooking, man. Like we really, yeah. we love to cook and we love to spend time on the beach, right? Um, for me, for fun, it's very similar. I like to surf and I uh, I like to play spike ball, man. We actually just, we, we just pulled off a, uh, a 64 team spike ball tournament for charity last week. And it was nice. awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. We had like 200 people out on the beach. And it was incredible, dude. I got to send you a picture of it. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I like, the, I like, I like the surf. Surfing is my number one thing that I like to do for fun. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And last question. What are you most grateful for? John, I'm 
I'm grateful for the people in my life, man. Like I'm, I'm grateful for the relationships from the, from the ones I was gifted that are my family uh, to the, to the ones that I have worked hard to create and maintain. Like there's, there's, there's nothing more important to me than relationships and to maintain relationships long-term, right? Like if you read, if you read Jim Collins's books, good to great, right. The Mm -hmm. beyond entrepreneurship, stuff like that. It's very clear that being transactionally driven is less valuable than being relationship driven, right? Like if you focus on relationships, the transactions, everything else comes, man. And I've, and I've been very lucky to just kind of intuitively do that my whole life. And for a long time in my life, I felt like I was falling upwards uh, mm. because of it. And now I'm very intentionally climbing upwards because of it. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm grateful for my ability to talk to to talk to people, man. Cause I, I think if I, if I couldn't listen and I couldn't communicate, then I wouldn't have these relationships. And so that plus the ones that I've been gifted in my family, dude, like I'm, I'm here in Miami yesterday after mother's day lunch, we like hung out with my sister's family and then came home and my brother's kids came over and I have the two most incredible nieces and nephew um, that are my brother's kids that are growing up to be these amazing humans. We, mm. we just like sat around my dad's bar right here. They're you know, they're, they're older, right? So once one just turned 21 and just got back from Nashville where she celebrated her 21st birthday with her friends. Okay. Sat around my dad's bar drinking wine with them and like playing country music and like doing like sing along karaoke while, while changing the names of the words to like my dad and this and it was, it's the best. (laughs) I love people, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was great, dude. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, listen, thank you, Pablo, for spending some time with us today, being able to share some of yourself and some of the wisdom you've gained over the years. Um, Some I know that's come through a lot of hard work and making mistakes, but honestly, isn't that the only way we learn is by making mistakes. So thank you for sharing those things with us so that we can in turn be better because of it. Thank you, John, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share. We hit on some stuff I normally don't really talk about, man. So it's every man has value, right? Like everybody, every, every everything, every experience you have has something that somebody else can learn from. So thanks okay. for the opportunity to share. It, my pleasure, my pleasure. And listeners and viewers out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are awfully glad that you were here because if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be here. So thanks so much for your time. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.